0: Every day, entrepreneurs get up in their day, in the morning, they get up to create a better world for the rest of the world to, to enjoy. Nothing gets better without somebody creating it. That I don't care if you're a guy that cuts lawns or cleans windows or does you know enterprise server consolidation consulting. Like You decided to make the world a better place for everybody else to enjoy, and I think that needs to be recognized and appreciated and I'll never forget that.
1: This is Chris Reynolds and welcome to the Entrepreneur House podcast. The Entrepreneur House is a business accelerator for entrepreneurs creating events and retreats all over the world. Picture yourself with other high level entrepreneurs in the northern mountains of Thailand, October 26, 2017. It will be full of masterminds, workshops, advisors, like-minded entrepreneurs, and of course, some fun adventure. If you're ready to take your business to the next level with other successful entrepreneurs, be sure to contact us. ASAP at TheEntrepreneurHouse.com. And now, on to today's episode. He's 37 and has started and sold three multi-million dollar businesses. He's been an advisor to Hootsuite and regularly rubs shoulders with the founders of Airbnb, Dropbox, Uber, and Richard Branson. He's been a mentor for over 500 startups, raised more than $2 million for his own businesses, and has invested in over 30 startups himself, a few of those including Unbounce, Udemy, and Intercom. His name is Dan Martell, and he's a legend in the internet entrepreneurial world, and he's joining us today as we dive into his life story. Dan will also share with us some essential tips on growing location-independent businesses, why he disagrees with many businesses using the freemium model, and what Dan does to be a power networker. You guys, don't miss a second of this episode. Without further ado, let's welcome Dan to the show. In three, two, one... And Dan Martell, welcome to the podcast, my friend. How are you today? Do you want to do that again? Yeah. <laughs> the last I was going to let you go with it, and I was like, oh, I'll let him. All right. All right. In three, two, one. And Dan Martell, welcome to the podcast. How are you today, my friend?
0: Dude, Chris, I appreciate you so much for having me on here. I am uh, I'm pumped and excited. Uh, you got me in a good, good spot.
1: Good. I'm glad you're pumped and excited, and I'm glad you're on the show, my friend. And I appreciate you for coming on the show. So I've learned a lot about you in the past few days, and I'm incredibly impressed by your track record. And I'd love for you to share like all of this knowledge and wisdom and juice that you have with our listeners. Um, I'm very impressed with entrepreneurs that have a ton of energy that can just keep going with it with a lot of passion. And so uh, first, we want to hear your story, man. We want to hear about kind of your past and then we'll evolve into some more of the technical parts. For sure. Um, I mean, like I'll give you guys a short version because I've I've
0: shared quite a uh, quite a few times. But like I grew up in a really challenging environment. Um, My mom was an alcoholic. My dad was in sales, always on the road, kind of not away. Second oldest of four, Um, had some pretty major anger issues growing up, diagnosed with ADHD, uh, thought I was broken and uh, got taken out of my home, put into uh, foster care when I was 11 mm-hmm. um, because of those anger issues. And uh, eventually just things kind of just kept getting worse and worse and ended up in a group home when I was about 13, got turned on to drugs, and uh, my parents got divorced that year. So I think, you know, it just, it just you know, I, I didn't, you know, it's funny because, like, I did things that some people would consider, like, he grew up in a gang. I didn't have a gang. I was just one of those kids in your neighborhood that was always doing the wrong thing. Like, literally did that. And I think, um, you know, hanging out with guys twice my age and um, doing some super major illegal stuff um, just didn't help. And by the time I was 17, I'd been to jail twice and uh, got in a high-speed chase. Uh, I was going to kill myself. I had a handgun in the car, wow. in the seat next to me. And uh, police, I, I ended up crashing inside the, the house and the police were right behind me and grab, tried to grab the gun to point at the police to let them do their job and the gun got stuck and um, cops grabbed me and woke up sober the next day in a jail cell and realized somebody was looking out for me and if they just helped me get through whatever I was about to face that I would just do whatever I could to be a good person and didn't know what that was going to look like or how that what that meant but uh, I had some really incredible people come into my life that transformed everything and Learned how to program software when I was seventeen in a rehab center, wow. and uh, you know I've gone on to build several companies, invest in a ton, and feel super blessed and lucky to not only be alive but to have an incredible family with two little boys of my own now, and and get to spend most of my days talking to entrepreneurs creating the future. I mean that's yeah. So it's it's come a long way. It's been about twenty years since since that moment, and uh, and I've done a lot of personal growth and. So as much as we'll talk about the successes, I'm, I'm game for talking about all the trials and tribulation because it's definitely not uh, a game of success theater for sure.
1: Thanks for being open with that, man. That's an incredible story. I'd like to know when you started to turn your life around, who were some of those people and, and what did they do to really help you make that shift?
0: Yeah, I mean, the the I think there is a bunch. I mean, from the the police officer that arrested me in the high speed chase, and you know, I remember the next morning him coming in and having like a little bit of a heart to heart. Probably, you know, didn't really didn't really sink in at the time. But um, a few years later, he came to visit at the rehab center, and I got a chance to thank him for that. But um, I think I think the person I owe a lot to is this guard named Brian. You know, he was he'd been there, he'd been working at the the jail for a while. I got sentenced um, to an adult facility. Uh, with the juvenile department because of the severity of my crimes and um, one day I think it was like three months in I got in a fight with another kid um, over coffee of all things and um, you know got sentenced to solitary confinement and uh, on the third day Brian he was away on vacation when it happened he came back and he uh, came to find me because he knew I wasn't in the you know with the other kids and Opened the door and told me to follow him. And we walk past the entrance to the cell block and into the guard unit that kind of overlooks both of them. He sits me down in the corner and asks me what I was doing there. And I told him about the fight with this, you know, Kurt. And he's like, No, not that. He goes, What are you doing here? And then I was like, Well, you know, I got in high speed chase with a gun. and, And he goes, Dan, I've been working here a long time and I see you out there doing your homework, staying out of trouble trying to, you know, kind of get ahead and I believe in you and you don't belong here. And I wanted you to know that. And that was the first time in 16 years of my life that I ever had anybody say that to me.
1: Wow. What were the feelings that came up for you when that happened?
0: <sighs> I'm <like>, oh. gonna <laughs> apologize. No worries. Um, it was at, I think at first it was like I didn't believe him but then I thought well he's been here for nine years he has no reason to say this like he knows other kids like me you know I think I could have easily dismissed it but for some reason in the in the, at the moment and the timing and who he was and the message and the way he said it and he didn't say a whole lot and he just let it sink in and I got super emotional and you know he didn't have to do it you know what I mean he's a he's a guard at a jail like I I don't, I actually don't think it was in his best interest to say that, you know, he's supposed to act like this tough guy, you know what I mean? it's just like, um, it made me believe that maybe I wasn't broken and maybe there was more, like, I wasn't this kid that everybody thought, like, he's the bad kid. Like, you know, growing up, like none of the neighbor's kids were allowed to hang out with me, you know, we'd have to go like hide in the woods down by the river just to like see them outside of the school bus. So... Yeah, it it transformed everything. I, 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 uh, a few months later, I just kept my heads down, stayed out of shit, stopped getting into fights, stopped mousing off, and ended up in a therapeutic community, is what it's called, or a rehab center called Portage. Um, spent 11 months in therapy. <laughs> I had a lot of stuff to work through. <laughs> and, uh, you know, when most programs, I think, are like 90 days. So, um, and it was there that I discovered programming. There was, you know, there's this guard named Rick, or not a guard, um, a groundsman you know he's kind of like the the handyman rick um yeah. he needed help clearing out one of the cabins that we never used that was full of stuff and i saw this old computer and a yellow book on java programming sitting right next to it and i opened the book and started reading the code and it kind of read like english if you've ever seen like javascript or java and it's like it's not like ones and zeros like i think people think computer code is like super you know uh, you know like obscure and it's hard you wouldn't be able to you know you'd have to study for 4 years just to even understand the language but it was like wow if that's programming and i booted up the computer and followed the instructions and i wrote my first app hello world and it printed out on this little command line and that became my new addiction wow and yeah and that's you know since then i've just i there's something about and and not only just software and technology but it's you know it's it's kind of like the tool builder like i almost feel like software is the modern day tool builder so i feel like if i would have been born in the 1700s maybe i'd be you know i'd be forging you know <laughs> blades or steel or you know <laughs> horseshoes or whatever i don't know like i just feel like i'm a i like to create things that other people use to create things that makes and um, yeah and and the other part is the reoccurring aspect like there was something about the predictable model of getting paid every month for the value created that felt really good to me at my core you know and i think it's because i grew up in such chaos that there was no you know predictable environment or behavior like you know is irrational my mom was crazy sometimes and like you know i didn't know where i was going to sleep at night and it's just like i've always gravitated towards that model you know some people do e-commerce and they you know or some people do enterprise sales or whatever they do consulting i like you know getting paid every month by my clients and it's just something i've leaned into
1: So for the listeners, Dan has created and sold three multi-million dollar startups. And how old were you when you started the first one, Dan?
0: So started my first, well, the first two were complete failures. Uh, First one was Maritime Vacation when I was 17 because my dad needed a vacation rental site, which I know people are like, oh, but what about VRBO and Airbnb (laughs) and all these, like, it should be a billion dollar idea. I can tell you the hundred reasons why it's not. Um, you know, then I did a hosting company because I think anybody that's ever built a website for any other person in the world thought that they should get paid for that monthly hosting fee. Um, that's probably the worst business model to ever start if you want to have a life. Um, <laughs> so I was supporting twenty four seven, sitting in a server room, freezing my butt off, um, and then um, you know, uh, then I finally figured it out with a consulting company called Sphere Technologies. But I've also, I mean, just from a software point of view, I probably have bought. Thirty or forty domains at this point for projects, software projects that I wanted to start or started and just never. You know, I always think there's a difference between a project and a company, and like projects are meant to be played with and tested and, and thrown away, and you know companies are like, okay, this is working, let's incorporate and move it forward. So I've done five companies, but I've also invested in thirty plus others, like Intercom. A lot of people use Intercom and Unbounce for landing pages and Hootsuite. I was a formal advisor to them when they started off and. Uh, get around and tons of companies. Um, Udemy, a lot of people know Udemy, so yeah, yeah I, I pretty much eat, breathe, and sleep. I don't, I don't watch team sports. I don't, <laughs> uh, you know, I do watch uh, some really high quality shows because it helps me with my writing and creative part. But I, I literally um, read about business and talk software all day long.
1: What keeps you motivated to continue to build and invest into all these different businesses?
0: Yeah, well, I mean, I've, I connected, I'm fortunate, I think, is like, you know, I, I hired a business coach um, when I was 23. So I started the company, Sphere Technology, when I was 24. Even before I started it, I knew, I read the book E-Myth by Michael Gerber. And it was only a year prior to that that I read my first book called Love is a Killer App by Tim Sanders. Oh, yeah. And that book was, the, that was the book I needed to read in hindsight. It's like, literally, somebody was looking out for me. Because if you're going to read a book about life and success and business, and because it was Love is a Killer app, which is a technical thing, right? The killer app. And he worked at the, the COO of Yahoo. Mm-hmm. So, like, I probably wouldn't have read any other book if it wasn't that book by that person with that title. And it taught me three major things, but one of them was to read books and, and acquire knowledge and, and not only read books for your customers. Like, that was like, what? I would read, not only to help yourself like figure out what your customers need to learn, read for them and teach them. That was like, I was like, shit, that's next level. So, <laughs> um, that got me on this like, kind of like, you know, path of, of educating myself and I read the e and I said, well, that's how I'm going to build my next company. And I found out they had a coaching thing and I found this guy named Bob Simpson, um, who is an e certified coach in Canada. And, um, Bob taught me what I needed to to learn and we we did a million in revenue in the first 12 months. I mean, and none of that would have happened if it wasn't for, you know, hiring a coach to guide me, to teach me. Because, like, I I already had two failed... Like, you got to understand, my dad at this point, okay, yes, I was, you know, I went through rehab and I was a better human being, but he was pleading with me to get a job. (laughs) Like, he's like, you've tried twice now, can you please go just get a job? (laughs) And I kept saying, I can't do it i I can't work for somebody else. i get I'll get fired. I just know myself like I'm just gonna try again. Okay. and you know it, not for lack of a lot of challenges and effort, but you know, I just changed you know I got around, I got mentors, I got a coach. I got around people that were building businesses like myself. Um, I kept reading, I kept investing in myself, like I mean th- that that's how it kind of changed for me and it could have been a lifelong series of companies and failures and i have friends like that it's crazy now you know i'm 37 and i've got friends that uh they're 12th company now they're still at it and they just don't ever they don't try <laughs> to change just one thing like i'm like you know you may not want to do it that way for the seventh time and they're yeah. like oh well you know let's uh, uh, it's like you know and even after i've had, i remember the first, when i used to think that like i used to thought i was pretty smart and then but i kept failing and then finally when I started, I made my first million dollars. And I thought that was bad. This is a funny part. I still remember I hired a guy named Stu uh, two years into my business because I thought I was doing everything wrong. Because you don't know. Like I, we didn't talk about numbers. I didn't know that I, doing a million was like a very rare thing for a business. <laughs> like not only rare, but rare for somebody that was 26 and it was, you know, Uh, the clients that we were working with like it's just and he comes in and i'm like hey man i think i built something interesting like i know we do some good work for clients but like am i am i doing it like completely the hard way and he just smiled and uh and kind of said we we're gonna we're gonna do some good work together and uh (laughs) very very impactful so again i paid 150 grand for that guy to come into my business for a year to help me strategically get to the next level i don't think people would have done that and i guess that's the thing is i'm i'm a am an investor myself not buy fancy shit kind of guy right like i drove an old car for a long time uh had had a roommate in san francisco when i lived there after i sold my company you know like i just i just a very practical dude i think
1: can you tell some of the listeners because this is a debate i've heard amongst quite a few friends of mine a don't see the value in hiring a business coach. And so it seems like you have quite a bit of experience of doing that and you are a business coach now. So can you explain the importance of that?
0: Yeah, I mean, just to clarify though, I I consider myself, a co- I use the word coach because that's the word that my clients describe me as. I don't consider myself a coach. I'm uh, probably more like a trainer slash advisor if you ask me like, what do you do? Cause like I literally help them with strategic advice and i teach them really powerful frameworks in the context of scaling a predictable saas business that's it like i don't you know i do motive, i do like you know i can't help but talk about like mindset stuff because i think it's part of business right yeah. so but i don't like i just feel like the, the some people they think of like life coaches and so, i am not that i am just me and i help people in a certain way but um, I've hired coaches, and um, so I've hired three for different. I mean, three in the business context. I just hired a kiteboarding coach because I want to be like <laughs> good at kiteboarding. I can travel the world and kiteboard, and I want to do that fast. So you know, it's it's kind of like the other day I posted on Facebook because I just got frustrated with people emailing me to coach them when their business is going to shit, and I was like, don't reach out to a coach when you're when it's going bad. You should want to get somebody when you want to be excellent, like. I didn't hire Bob when I started my company Sphere because I was losing money. I did it because I wanted to be awesome, right? Right. Like my favorite clients to work with, and it's why I have a high filter. Is I want people that have the resources, are capable, and want to be even more capable, right? Right, and I think that's people. They think having a coach is like this negative context. Like I don't need a coach. I'm not screwed up. It's like you get a coach to be awesome, like. Fucking! Um, I'm a big CrossFitter, and like Matt Matt um, Frazier's number one in the world. He's been he just won uh, two years now, and like he has a coach. He has multiple coaches. He has like a uh, uh, Olympic weightlifting coach, a sprint coach, a nutritionist coach. Like he's world class. He's not trying to fix something broken. He's like I want to be the best version of me. So if people think. Uh, that that's not valuable then you know what I say I I'm okay with that I love it when it's my competitors that feel that <laughs> way I would I, I'm okay I don't want them to know man let them
1: being at the level that you are now Dan as an entrepreneur would you still consider hiring a coach to go Dude, even further? I, I have a coach you do yeah when
0: I when I started coaching other people I realized I knew nothing about coaching I hired a guy named Taki Moore he's oh, wow. one of the the best coaches out there I mean like of course it's there's, I don't see a point of anything I'm doing you know if I start a nonprofit first thing I'm doing is i'm going to pay somebody that's been there done it before to spend time with me to help improve my thinking I'm about execution in speed right so some people may not call that a coach they might call that like a consultant or an advisor or whatever all I know is I have a resource called capital and if I deploy it to invest in me becoming better stronger faster those things dude i have a I have a fitness coach I have a new, like course i would hire coaches i want to be the best version of me i couldn't agree and and i don't want and i'm not wasting my time and i don't like literally i don't need to read a whole book if all i need is somebody to measure me every week and say hey stop eating so much you know whatever i would be like cool (laughs) And, and here's the this is the most important part because i'm paying them i do the advice because i want to get my money's worth see if i was if i wanted to to you know, grow my business, and I got free advice, I probably wouldn't have, I call it the tax, right? My buddy wants to do CrossFit with me and blah, 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 so I got him signed up at our gym. I'm an owner in the gym, so, so like, outside of that, I just think everybody should pay. And if they don't show up, it's the tax they're paying for not showing up. Right. That's the way I look at it. So you should pay your business coach a ton of money, and if you don't do the things he's suggesting, and you don't get the results, then that's okay, you can do that, but then you're paying a kind of lack of execution tax, you know what I mean? Or a lack of show-up tax if it's the, co- the context of CrossFit. So, I mean, I paid 1500 bucks a month to Bob Simpson for two phone calls a month when I was 24 years old, and I didn't even have a business yet.
1: So, Dan, we have a lot of entrepreneurs that are in the hustle out there that listen to the show. And a lot of them are location independent, traveling around the world while they're building their business, or maybe have what they call a home base in some exotic city while they're building their business. So I'm wondering if you could give us a couple things. Give us some suggestions on how those entrepreneurs can reach the six, seven, eight figure levels of their business, and also some mistakes that you see those entrepreneurs making.
0: Yeah, so I'm, I'm, I don't believe in, um, so virtual, I don't like the word virtual teams, I call them distributed teams, right? Okay. And, uh, and the reason why I say that is I think virtual teams has this connotation of outsourcing and giving other people responsibility to get stuff done and that's just not the way I run businesses. I have a distributed team of people so I could have coverage, right, 24 seven coverage and uh, access to cost effective labor and talent, right? So it's arbitrage. And, but you still need to manage them. So, like, even if they're not technically, you know, WT empl- W2 employees or, you know, they're contractors, um, you still treat them like a team. So, if people are not doing things like, you know, quarterly strategic planning with your quote-unquote executive team or your, you know. And executive team is such a, a businessy nerdy shit. It's, like, literally the people that you you want to get feedback from on your team, right? Mm-hmm. So, like quarterly planning, yearly planning, a weekly team meeting, daily standups of some sorts. Now, a lot of these things can be done. Um, you know, we use Zoom at our company. You can use, um, you can use Slack if you want to just keep it text-based, especially if you have a team in different time zones. Um, but there's just certain structural elements of running a business when you think of it as an organism. Like it's literally a business is like a person, right? It's almost like Voltron. Right? You know, you got I don't know if you remember <laughs> Voltron, but like you've got all these different parts that come together to create this like super thing. That's uh-huh. the way business works. Individually, we're only so capable, but when we get together, we can actually like create magic. Right. And if you're not if you don't set up the cadence and the rhythms for your meetings, and the data and information that you review to make sure that everybody's pulling on the string in the same direction. I mean, most of my work with clients, it comes down to three things. One, protecting their confidence, right? Founders are horrible at being high and low, right? The exclamation mark, take over the world, to the question mark, what am I doing with my life? Like, they'll swing on this entrepreneurial (laughs) pendulum, you know, Mm -hmm. twice a week, sometimes on a daily basis. So I, I help them protect their confidence. Second thing is, I make sure I help them get out of their own way. Most entrepreneurs do not realize that their strength, their power, is their Achilles heel as they grow a business. So if you're a great technical person, the product's going to suffer. If you're a great marketer, your marketing's going to suffer. Because it's typically the last thing they're going to delegate, and it's probably where they spend the most time. And they could get leverage by having somebody else support them on that, but they don't get leverage, so the rest of the business suffers because of it. So that's, that's a big thing. And then the third thing is just clarity of execution. Just making them feel like they um have the right strategy to go after so they're not ping-ponging all over the place
1: now one thing that i like one of the things that you recommend and you have a popular youtube video that talks about this is the freemium business models that are out there and a lot of people say oh give something away for free and then you build your network up you build your community up and then you charge them you actually don't give the same advice you say well, maybe that's okay in certain situations. So can you elaborate on that for us?
0: I mean, I have a whole model called the customer creation model that we can talk. I just, if anybody's, soft, I call it software curious, just go to danmartell to martellcom slash software. And I've put together that video and a bunch of other videos that'll just support you guys. But here's here's the my belief is, I, I, I mean, it's not 100% true. I believe to build a community, you should give away free stuff. I just don't believe it should be your product, right? I, I believe mm-hmm. in like blogging, contributing on Quora, like creating a community and an audience by contributing your thoughts around the problem that your software is eventually going to solve. But when it comes to software and innovation, the thing you want to fast track is validation from your ideal customer that it solves a real pain that they're going to pay for. Okay. And there's a difference between pain. Some people have pains that they just don't want to pay for, right? They sometimes cause they can't pay for it, they're either an HR department or you know, a high school, like literally there's certain you know industries where it's just tough to sell to. So uh, my whole thing is a four step process, right? It's first you start with a clickable prototype. This is taking your idea and simulating, not through high fidelity mockups, not through hiring a designer and making it look like it's real. Literally, I mean, the, the lower version than what I'm suggesting is, you know, printer paper and a thick Sharpie marber, a marker doing squares and buttons and like flipping through what the software could look and how it would interact. But if you use a product like a balsamic or UX pin, you can simulate a clickable prototype of working software that looks not like built but looks like like a prototype, right? And so that's step one. Two is go find your early adopter customers. And this is and the reason why I say it's early adopters, your EAS, right is there are people, there's this thing called Moore's uh, technology adoption curve. And Jeffrey Moore um, kind of talks about these five specific markets of any you know any go- to market for a technology company and the first part is your innovators and then um, your early adopters and you can't validate your idea going to the next stage which is called your early uh, the early majority right early majority are more cynical even worse is the late majority and even worse than that is somebody like my dad which is the laggards right <laughs> You need to focus on early adopters. It's like, you know, I, I, I grew up in a town of 100,000 people and like people, you know, friends of mine would build software and they'd be like, I wanna build this new like ordering software for restaurants and they would go to like their local restaurants. Still taking orders using a pencil and a pad and you say you're gonna skip all innovation and go right to an iPad plugged in, you know, built into the, the, the table itself and people are just gonna order themselves. Like you're, you're not validating with the right market. So that's, that's step two, early adopters. Three is pre-orders, getting them to not only say that's awesome, Johnny, go off there and build a bunch of stuff, but actually throw money down. So I've had all my clients, this is the process I walk them through, they get people to pre-order their software and then using that capital and the prototype, that's when you hire on a contract developer to build it because you know exactly what you're building and you have people that say, I will pay you for that. And that's why it's called the customer creation model because it allows you to fund your software without investing a penny
1: very nice great great tips man okay so there's a quote that you have and i believe it was on your website where i saw it and it says the the more relationships you build the more exciting life gets and i'm a community builder a network builder and you are too so i'd love to hear some i'd love to hear you elaborate on that why that's an important quote for you and some tips on growing your tribe or community
0: yeah, I'll give you the tip, and that, the tip I'm going to share with you is the reason why I had you know, Mark Cuban invest in my last company, Clarity, to you know, Richard Branson inviting me to his house um, in Switzerland for a week, to um, raising venture capital from some of the top investors in Silicon Valley, you know the guys invest in Instagram and Twitter and a bunch of other companies. Um, it is um, founder dinners. And, and here's the thing is, like again, I learned this from Tim Sanders in his book. Um, love is killer app but he argued that your network is your net worth right and i and i i heard it then i didn't really get it and then at least i got the mentor part right so i you know with Spheric i, I got a coach and then i like try to build my network of mentors right and i really found three guys that just transformed my life but um, I also realize that there's a lot of value by surrounding yourself with people on the same journey as you. I think what you're doing is so important for that and many other organizations from the accelerators, the tech accelerators to you know, local, whatever, business development chamber, commerce type stuff. But to think that you're gonna stay at your house in your basement and build a business <laughs> without being around other, you're, just, you're so screwed and here's why is you still have to live with your family. And my gut tells me is those people do not share the right mindset to support you in your endeavor. Because if they did, you it would be a lot easier for you and you probably wouldn't be listening to this podcast. Like <laughs> people don't, like just think about going to a family gathering if you're a growth minded and risk taker and building something yourself and, and being around people that complain and are negative <laughs> and um, have normal jobs and can't even find an ounce of passion in their sentence. like it's gonna drive you nuts. Yeah. So I almost do it as like for mental sanity. Like I I need to be around people that are connected to a mission that's bigger than themselves, right? Because yeah. it's just just the way I am. So what I would suggest is founder dinners and, and the way you do it, um, my buddy Jason wrote, the, he wrote the book that I wish I would have wrote. We actually were gonna co-write it together and when he sent me his first draft I said, just you do it man, this is awesome. It's called Mastermind Dinners, uh, but I call them founder dinners, that's why we're gonna write it together. But it'll It'll walk you through the mechanics if you're bought into this. But and you can also Google Founder Dinners and get my YouTube video on how to do this. but i uh, I got one Friday. I do them every two weeks at my house. When I travel, I do them uh, lunch, dinner, and um, uh, breakfast uh, when I travel. And I just bring entrepreneurs together. And it's as simple as, hey, I'm in, you know, so I'm in Toronto for Archangel in September, and I'm like, hey, you know, John, we've never met, but I'm organizing a dinner with other entrepreneurs and, around this topic. So theme-based, you know, software, B two B SaaS, marketplaces, you know, online marketing funnels, whatever your topic is. And uh, I'd love to invite you. Let me know if you're interested, and I'll send you the details. And you just do that. You send it out to 12 people. Eight of them will confirm, and you have an incredible meal. And the funny part is, the, all the other ones think that you know the other ones because they're there, and you're the <laughs> one invited them. Yeah. And You know, and then they all thank you for being the guy that brought them together. And the reality is like you got way more out of it from the ideas and the energy and the connection of those people. And what I've learned amongst entrepreneurs, it's not true. Like there's it's not true for all of them. There's literally some arsehole entrepreneurs. You know what I mean? Like there are some bad actors, like douchey (laughs) McDouster entrepreneurs out there. Okay, I can think about three or four in my hometown. Yeah. Yeah. but that's not the norm. The rest of them are just polite, amazing. They love other people. They want to get out of their office. They're just looking for a reason. And you'd be surprised how quick they'll they'll say it. And I don't even pay the meals. Like everybody goes Dutch. When I send the calendar invite follow up, I say asterisks asterisks every. And the reason I do that is because I don't like when somebody does like a show offy move and pick up the tab for everybody, and yeah. then makes everybody else feel lesser. than. Yeah. I just and that's why I do it. Not because I can't pay for it or anybody else couldn't. It's just, I don't want to make somebody feel that way.
1: Yeah, I completely understand. I actually have started doing that. This past summer, I spent my summer in Barcelona and we had some entrepreneur friends coming and we would cook them a nice meal. And, and we would have them over, and we cook like paella and typical Spanish food, and then they get the cultural experience too. And it's been a lot of fun. And I, I, I can absolutely tell you that they—that's what I'm
0: doing Friday, man, with poutines in Canada. Nice. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, I have somebody come in and cook for us. But yeah, I, I, I do like my thing is like if somebody that I, I really want to get to know like a lot better, I invite them to my house because I think yeah. that's the ultimate compliment, right? Yeah. But then as I travel, I just usually find a restaurant I've been meaning to go to and. And, and I try to stick, oh, Never Eat Alone, Keith Ferrazzi. Like that yeah. book, that was like the second or third book I read after Love is Killer App because I think he mentioned it. And what was crazy is I think fast forward 12 years afterwards, Keith emails me for advice on a software business he's starting. Nice. I was fanboy. I was like, man. <laughs> You know, so like life is a, life is so beautiful, man, if you just play into it. Like it's just really cool.
1: Completely agree, man what do you love about teaching and helping others
0: um, you know it's it's kind of funny cuz like a lot of it is selfish in the sense that i get way more out of it like you know and maybe it's just the commitment i made you know to the people that have been there before and like helped me out that i just feel like i'm honoring their 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 time, their ideas, you know what I mean? Like everybody that's ever helped me get to where I'm at. And like I, there's there's like literally hundreds if not thousands of people. I can't mention them all, mm-hmm. but I just feel like by me finding the time. I mean I did 1,300 clarity calls, okay? Wow. And the average was 27 minutes <laughs> in a two-year period. Wow. Like I put in some dues. you know yeah. what I mean? So that's why people are like, why are you coaching people? I just needed a more efficient way to filter people. And I knew that if they didn't pay, they don't pay attention. Yeah. Like that's you know, people want to get their money's worth. So if you want, it's a premium thing. You want it? If you want me involved to help you scale, throw down. Meet me at that level, and I'll give you 110. percent So I just, I just love seeing people. Um, you know, one of the best compliments I got the other day. One of my clients tripled their business in the last 12 months, and they said um, on a call that you know, thinking back even eight months ago, they would have never had the vision for their life that I've helped them believe in. You know what I mean? Like they, they, they were dreamers, but they didn't believe that big. Yeah. And I think it's just because, you know, one of the things I do for my clients is I bring them around. Other people have already been there. So when we get together in these three different cities, I'm bringing in guys that have built, you know, 150 million dollar companies, billion dollar companies that are going to not only just share their quick story, but like we're we're doing tours of their offices so they can show like what does a 150 person sales team look like you know what i mean or what does a you know a 37 person team content media department look like producing inbound content you know like i just think that once what, you know i don't know who said it i think it might have been uh, ralph uh, waldo emerson or whatever like the mind once the mind's expanded it can't contract so like my favorite thing to do is introduce people to a new idea that they connect with and believe in and then now they can't go back from that because like that's it. what moving to san francisco yeah moving to san francisco so when i after i sold my, my first company spirit when i was 28 i i almost chilled out i literally there was a two month window where i was building a new house i bought a cottage and a wakeboarding boat i was single and i was like gonna chill out and thank goodness you know, something inside of me said, Dan, you got to go see if, if there's more for you. And I and I packed up my suitcase and mountain bike and, and jumped on a plane, landed in San Francisco, you know, still finished building the house. I sat on this house for like a year and a half. I mean, it was I built the stupidest house if you've ever want to sell a house because it was like <laughs> I don't know how many square feet, but it only had two bedrooms. It was a huge house with two
1: bedrooms.
0: <laughs> it was the ultimate bachelor pad. My brother, when he was building it, because he's a home builder, he's like, "You really? You don't want to put a third bedroom, maybe?" And I'm like, "No, man. I might have one friend stay over. I'm like, who cares?" <laughs> uh. Oh, anyways, yes. um, yeah. That's. I mean, I just. I'm just glad that uh, I didn't slow down. I was just. I'm just passionate about connecting with people and. And creating the future. I mean, that's the cool part. Every yeah. here's the thing. I want, I want to say this uh, for everybody listening: that if you're an entrepreneur, you gotta you gotta be proud of yourself. And here's why: is every day entrepreneurs get up in their day in the morning, they get up to create a better world for the rest of the world to to enjoy. Mm-hmm. Nothing gets better without somebody creating it. And I think that I don't care if you're a guy that cuts lawns or cleans windows. Or does, you know, enterprise server consolidation consulting, like you decided to make the world a better place for everybody else to enjoy. And I think that needs to be recognized and appreciated. And I'll never forget that. And I, and, and I probably, you know, dozens of times a year when I write down things I'm grateful for, the topic of I'm grateful for living in a country that allows me to do this, yeah. period. Because I've been to places where you cannot start a business unless you have $50,000 in a bank account. And nobody started with $50,000 in a bank account that I'm aware of.
1: Dan, I think that's a perfect way to wrap up the show. I want to say thank you so much for coming on to the show, giving us your time, sharing your wisdom and your knowledge with us. Thank you so much for joining us, my friend.
0: Absolute pleasure, Chris. Thank you so much.
1: And if the listeners want to reach out to you or learn more about what you have going on, where's the best place they can do that at?
0: Um, Dan Martell, 2LsMartell.com. Go check out my YouTube channel because I put a lot of time and energy just dumping everything I've learned onto those videos. And then subscribe to my newsletter because I do exclusive invites, community contests, and I share other exclusive training videos at DanMartell, 2 martell.com forward slash newsletter. Uh, and I do respond if you reply to that email. That's me. Um,
1: yeah. Awesome. I'm going to sign up for it now. Listeners, thank uh, Dan, once again, thank you for joining us. Listeners, thank you for tuning in once again. And we'll see you all on the next episode. Goodbye, everybody. The Entrepreneur House is a business accelerator for established entrepreneurs. Imagine spending an extended period of time with other successful entrepreneurs working together and growing your business. Day-to-day, you interact with other driven and smart business people. Spending an extended period of time around them alters your business and your mentality around business. Goals are set, business grows, new partnerships develop, greater profit margins are achieved, the productivity skyrockets for the attendees, and you'll get to have an incredible adventure while doing it. This year our main event will be held in chiang mai thailand it is four weeks from october 26 to november 24 2017 it will be full of workshops masterminds and co-working spaces be sure to check out the details at theentrepreneurhouse.com as soon as possible for those of you that are interested and have some questions don't hesitate to contact us theentrepreneurhouse.com we will respond as soon as we can for now saludos from somewhere in the world